Well, we want to take a moment. Let's uh, welcome our First Norfolk on Volvo location. So First Norfolk on Kentsville, welcome them. It is a joy. We've had a great week as a church, and I'm so thankful for everyone who joined us in this wonderful journey of the last seven days. It's been spectacular. You might say, what journey is that? It's the journey of everyday life as the followers of Jesus Christ called First Norfolk. It's been a wonderful journey. Uh, beginning last Sunday, as we talked about uh, how First Norfolk values transformed lives, where, where we believe and we work and we do all that we can to help those who are far from God find life in Jesus Christ. And uh, ladies, many of you heard that call and, and you determined that you would make it a priority uh, to uh, invite a friend to join you at Girls' Night Out this past uh, Friday. And sure enough, you came and you brought your friends and your friends came and we had over 300 ladies at that event, overflow parking, overflow crowd. It was spectacular. Uh, lives were changed. The gospel was shared. It was an exciting time. And, uh, and I want to take a moment and just thank uh, those ladies uh, on the uh, women's ministry events leadership team and and thank them for all their hard work. Liz Fentress, who works in our office uh, as our women's ministry uh, administrative assistant. Uh, then there's a host of, of ladies who have, who have been working for months uh, for uh, this one event. Uh, Cheryl Simmons, Cheryl uh, Beardsley, uh, uh, Tiffany Putnam, uh, and uh, Najwa Knox. Uh, as well as my wife, Edie, make sure I don't miss anybody. I think that's uh, everybody. Uh, and Melissa Anderson had one more. And Melissa Anderson, all of these ladies have worked so hard and tirelessly. Let's just take a moment and let's thank them for all their hard work. Lives were changed because they invested, because many of you invested. We had uh, some honorable mentions to men who worked hard. Uh, but that's all we get, just honorable mention. But anyway, we, I'm so thankful for everyone who works so diligently, and, and, and we rejoice over what God has done. But that's not the only thing that's happened this past week. Uh, Sunday afternoon, got word from uh, several people that they had shared the story of life change that they had experienced through faith in Christ and they had already shared it with others, and, and lives were changed. People came to know Christ. Those who were far from God found, found life through Christ. That happened Monday and Tuesday, uh, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, every single day almost this week, I got an email or an update from someone who had shared the story of Jesus with someone else, and, uh, and lives were changed. That is exciting, and I'm ecstatic and God's doing great things at First Norfolk. So as we continue to consider who we are at First Norfolk, who are we? You know, what, what is our DNA? Uh, we've been looking at our vision and our mission. We've looked at our values. Last week, we looked at the value of transformed lives. We, we value the idea of, of, of us as, a follower, as followers of Jesus, the church, helping those who are far from God find life in Christ. Uh, today, we're kind of shifting gears a little bit. We're, we're going to be examining uh, what, uh, what is it that we want to be as followers of Jesus. Not, not just what we value, but who do we want to be? Uh, I believe that um, a healthy church is made up of 
healthy followers of Jesus. That's, that's what makes a healthy church. So what is it that will breed health in us? Um, and so we're going to look the next three weeks at, at those uh, qualities, those expectations, the things that we're trying to, to help uh, us as followers of Jesus to become. And, and we're, we're uh, organizing our thoughts around love God, love others, and live the mission. This week we're looking at love God. Now, most of us here would say, yes, I love God. That's the greatest commandment. Our, our text today, Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30 a lawyer comes up to Jesus and asks him, what is the greatest of all commandments? And Jesus said these words, Mark 12, beginning in verse 29, the greatest commandment of all is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. Now, it's, it's, it's a commandment that we've heard. If, if you've been in church at any period of, for any period of time, you understand this is the greatest commandment of all. And as the greatest commandment to love God supremely, this is what, what we know makes a healthy follower of Jesus. We give ourselves to love God supremely. That's what we do. And, and everything that we are as a church and everything that I am as a follower of Jesus is given to this task. Greatest commandment equal my greatest passion. I want to love God supremely with all that I am, more than anything else. That's what Jesus was talking about. But maybe the question is, well, how do I love God supremely? It's a great sentiment, but how do I do it? Now, if you're like me, I, I need I need simple steps. I, I need help in simple steps of how to love God supremely. How do I love him more than anything else? How do I show God that I love him? Um, uh, and I've shared this before, I think, with you all. Uh, several months ago, as I was praying and, and evaluating Eric Thomas and Eric Thomas, uh, what I do and how I live and my relationships my most important relationships, my wife and my children, uh, God just led me to ask my wife, Edie, uh, to give me a list, of, uh, a list of 20 things that I need to do uh, to show her that I love her. A list of 20 things. And, 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 I mean, we've been married since 1991, and some of these things I've done okay, and some of the things I knew instinctively but the truth is, I'm, I need all the help I can get, and I, I needed a list. So she made a list. And this is a list that becomes very prominent in my life because I love my wife. And I can do things that I think will help her see that I love her, but guys, I got a list that tells me exactly what I need to do. To help her know that I love her. She made the list, some of the things I, I wasn't very surprised by, but, but some of the things I, I, I'm not really surprised, but, but really encouraged that, that this is what she wants from me because at some points I was off in left field. But let me read a few of these. I'm not going to read all of them, as you might imagine. I shouldn't. Um, one of them is to cuddle. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. That's, that's on my list, too, you know. Uh, amen? 
but let me just read a few of these. Read the Bible out loud with me. Pray out loud with me and for me. Don't look at your phone when we're together. Pick a Bible study and do it with me in the morning or any time during the day. Sit in the kitchen while I cook. That was a gracious way for her to say, don't sit in front of the TV in the other room while I cook. (laughs) Cook breakfast for me. Uh, Talk to me in deep conversations, not just the casual pass-by kind of conversations, but have a deep conversation. Go on walks with me. Come home early. Struggling with that one. Plan a trip away, plan a date night. Those are two different things. When you help me with something, the ambiguousness of that something is something I hear very loudly. Be ready to help. Love our girls, lead our family spiritually, put gas in my car. This this is a list that Edie has written to let me know how I can show her that I love her. In the same way, God has given us his love list. We ask the question, how can I show God that I love him supremely? And, And the Bible is filled with specific things that we are to do. Uh, As we've looked before, Jesus said, if you love God, you're going to obey his commandments. We see that in John 13 and 14 and 15. But how do we do that specifically? What what can we narrow the field to? As our staff and I got together at staff retreat uh, several months ago, and as we prayed together and thought together, we came up with a list of five things that we believe will summarize, uh, not exhaustively, but summarize how that we as a church, individually as followers of Jesus, can show God that we love him. These five things begin with worship weekly. When we paint the canvas of a lifestyle of loving God, there must be a scene on that canvas of you and me getting together corporately with the one we love the most. This is the commandment of keeping the Sabbath as holy unto the Lord. This is a practice of the people of God that has been going on. It's not some newfangled idea that we came up with. It's not an innovative strategy. This is the spiritual aspect of getting together, not just individually, but corporately. Statistically, several decades ago, a faithful church member would be in church one out of every two Sundays or weekends. Today, that statistic is more depressing. It's one out of every four Sundays. Those are faithful. 
Those are, the, those are the faithful church members. But friends, it shouldn't be that way for us. I know we live in a busy time and busy world, and we have a lot of things that uh, vie for our attention. But friends, this isn't about making a pastor happy. This isn't about showing up in a room and hugging somebody's neck or letting them hug yours. This is about showing the God of the universe that we love him. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Mark 12. Mark 12, when he said, the greatest commandment of all is this. And he began with the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's a statement uh, that the people of God would recite as they gathered for corporate worship. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When we talk about worshiping weekly as a picture, as a demonstration, a declaration of our love for God, what we're saying is... We've gotten together as the people of God. We've set aside this time as holy unto the Lord so that we can worship the one true God. Not so that we can get our needs met, but so that we can declare to the God of the universe, I love you. And yet, we have a tendency to talk ourselves out of it. I mean, it was raining this morning and and I don't know if it has slacked off outside any, but it was raining this morning. And I guarantee you there were some folks, including yours truly, that said, oh my goodness. Church today? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's hard sometimes. Can, can I just... One item on Edie's list was... Make breakfast for me? Edie gets up earlier than I do on most days. And it is inconvenient for me to get up early and fix her breakfast. It is not in line with the natural sink and rhythm of my sleeping habit. <laughs> but because I love her, I promise to my wife I will start making that a priority. Because I hadn't done it yet. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Look, worship weekly may not be easy. And it means that you're going to lose out, miss out on some items of, of fun and sun, fun in the sun and games and play, uh, playing games and that kind of thing. It means that you're going to have to miss out. But, but really what it comes down to is who do you love most? Corporate worship is not an optional thing for a follower of Jesus. And you can't have corporate worship by yourself in the mountains or on the beach. We have to commit ourselves to worship weekly. That's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about in Hebrews chapter 10. He, he, he said, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 24, he said, and, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here it is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner or the custom of some, but exhorting one another. 
and so much more, even more so, as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Guys, we need to be more fervent in gathering together as the people of God to worship the one true God. And this is the place, and this is the time, and I'm thankful you're here, and I know that there are times when you can't be, and I'm not trying to put law on you. I'm trying to lay love on you. We need to love God more than we love ourselves or any other thing. We've got to worship weekly. We've got to pray daily. This is the more personal dimension of worship. When we paint the canvas of our lifestyle of loving God, there must be a scene of me personally spending time with the one I love. There must be consistently, and I would commend daily, of communicating with God in prayer. It should not be just an, an, an occasional, casual conversation, but there needs to be, as Edie once between herself and myself, deep conversations with God. We need to spend time every day praying. And that, that was the pattern of Jesus. That's how Jesus lived his life. He didn't go days without talking to his Father in heaven. But Luke's gospel gives us a clear indication of, of his lifestyle of prayer, his daily commitment to prayer. He would regularly, as was his custom, get away by himself and pray. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, uh, the scripture says, as, and it came to pass uh, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he stopped praying, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, and he said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. By the way, this is one of the reasons why I believe daily prayer is important, because we have daily needs that God desires to provide, and we need to daily ask him about those needs. Give us day by day our daily bread. And then there's another phrase, and forgive us our sins. Here's another reason why I think uh, daily prayer, in, for me, if you're like me, I need it more than just uh, once a day. I need consistent prayer because I'm a consistent sinner. And I need, I need to consistently talk to my Father in heaven about my rebellion against him so that I can make that right and not, not wait 23 hours until I make it right again. I need to talk to my Father, even when I mess up, forgive us our sins, even as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus had a practice of daily, consistent, regular prayer, and not just in crisis moments. There's nothing wrong with crisis praying. You need to pray in the midst of a crisis. If times are tough and, the, and, 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 and things are crucial, Oh my goodness, take a day off so that you can spend your day in prayer. We see Jesus getting away and praying uh, before those crucial moments in his life as, as he um, was on his way to the cross. We hear him in John 17 praying uh, personally and intimately with his Father in heaven. In Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's arrested, praying his heart out with God the Father, we see Jesus even praying from the cross as he hung there and bled and died for sinners like you and me. 
we hear him praying forgiveness for those who were killing him. Jesus was a man of prayer in crisis moments, but he was a man of prayer in everyday situations as well. And, and that's what we need to be about. We need to, we need to be about the discipline and the delight of prayer. Now, prayer is not a tool to manipulate God to get what we want. God is God, and he will not be manipulated, but he will be loved. And prayer is the instrument and the avenue by which we have to commune with God, to share and show our love for him and to experience his love for us. As followers of Jesus, what makes us healthy? As followers of Christ, what makes us healthy as a church is when we worship weekly and pray daily and when we give faithfully. Yes, give. And I'm not talking about time. I'm not even talking about talent, although those two things apply. I'm talking about treasure. I'm talking about money. Again, this is not some newfangled strategy that the church has come up with to get your money. This has been the practice of God's people from Genesis, and it will continue into Revelation. This is what God's people do. We give. We give of our treasure. And we give faithfully. As Jesus is teaching his disciples and his followers how to live life for the pleasure of God. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And as, as he's teaching them, uh, he comes toward the end of his sermon. He's ramping it down. And he says these words, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, and then on to 24. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I just, I just want you to let that sink in for a second. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I don't think Jesus is saying refrain from having an IRA or a savings account. I don't think he's saying that at all. But I do know for a fact here's what he's saying. Do not save money for yourself at the neglect of giving to the Lord through the church. Do not save money for your vacation to pay for the vacation at the expense of giving to the Lord. Do not lay up for your yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves break in and steal... But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what it comes down. Verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other or vice versa. You cannot serve. Jesus brings it home. You cannot serve both God and stuff. And that's what giving does for us. As followers of Jesus, throughout Scripture, and I'm not talking about percentages, I'm just talking about being faithful, being obedient, riding on the landscape of the canvas of your life, this love for God that translates in I'm giving regularly, faithfully, and obediently the resources that God has given me to take care of. And, and, 
And the question is, do you love that money more than you love God? Do you depend upon that money more than you depend upon God? Are you holding on to your money to give you security? The problem with that is the Lord God Almighty must be our security and no other substitute will do. Are you holding on to that money in order to give you some strength? And, and the problem with that is the Lord God Almighty, he, he himself is our strength and there must be no other substitute. Rather, are you being a good steward of the resources? And, and here's the biblical principle. Everything, whether it's in your name on this earth or not, everything belongs to the Lord. And he's allowed us the privilege as his people to manage the resources that belong to him. And managing those resources means that I'm going to be faithful in returning the portion that he's called me to return to him through the church to accomplish his purposes on this earth. Are you Am I, are we, giving faithfully? You say, I'm working on it. That's good. I'm saying, that's good. God grant us the grace to continue working on it. One of the items on my wife's list, come home early. I'm working on it. You know, early to me is 6 o'clock. That's not early to my wife. I'm working on it. And, and right now, I, I think maybe I've gotten to maybe one day a week where I come home early. I'm working on it. Today, begin where you are, but commit yourself to give faithfully. It's on God's love list. We show God that we love him when we worship weekly, pray daily, give faithfully, and live biblically. Now, we've talked about this uh, when we talked about our value as a church of biblical truth. We, we treasure God's word as the rule of life and faith. Every aspect of our life should be uh, in submission to what God's word says. Every aspect, my emotions should be in submission to what God's Word says. Every aspect of my life, my relationships, must be in submission to what God's Word says. What I want, what I desire, that needs to be in submission to the authority and the direction of God's Word. Uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the canvas of my lifestyle of loving God, there must be the scene of, of me Submitting to the authority and the direction of God's word. It has to be. That's, that's part of me showing God that I love him. It's when I live according to his word. Even if you think the Bible's out of date. Or old-fashioned. Or not relevant. As a follower of Jesus, we must allow God's word to become, according to the psalmist, Psalm 119, 105, God's word becomes the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Not what our friends say, not what our emotions say, but what God's word says. To live, biblic live biblically means that I submit every aspect of my life to God's direction 
and authority given to me in his word. That's Genesis to Revelation. Now, that's not always easy. It also uh, can be very challenging, but, but I need to go to God's word to find out what he wants. And when I find out what he wants, I'm adjusting my life to fit what he wants. That's what love for God does. Are you living biblically? And when we, the byproduct of living biblically is what Jesus said as he closed out the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, if you follow God's word, if you obey God's word, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll compare him to a man or a person who builds his house, his life, on a, on a rock. And the storm comes and the rain falls and the winds blow and the house, his life, stands. Why? Because it's built upon the strong foundation of God's Word. See, living biblically is the only way to live life satisfied and victorious as a follower of Jesus. A train is happiest when it's running along the track. And a train is the most unhappy when it's off the rails. A follower of Jesus is most satisfied when he's following the track of God's Word. And when he gets off the track of God's Word, he is simply a train wreck. So not only does it show God that we love Him when we live biblically, it leads to a life that we want. Live biblically. And the last one really sums up them all. And if we had to talk about how, how can I love God, if we had to just give one way to love God, it would be grow to be like Jesus. See, every, everything that Jesus did, he did out of love for his Father. It was his fulfillment of the greatest commandment that he told the attorney. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He, he was living it out. Jesus loved God supremely. And he perfectly loved God supremely. Guys, if, if we want to love God, if we want to be healthy as followers of Jesus, then we need to grow to be more like Jesus. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series of messages and talks called Christian Fashion. As we walk down that road of Christian fashion, I'm not talking about modesty. I'm talking about what is a Christian supposed to look and act like? And really what we're going to examine, in Paul's letters especially, the characteristics of our life that we're supposed to take off that don't look like Jesus. And the characteristics of Jesus that we're supposed to put on to make us more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, talk, talked about his putting on our Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh. He talked about putting on the new man. Talking about uh, take off the wicked works of darkness and dress up in the clothes and the armor of light. He's talking about growing to become more like Jesus. And that's really what we're all about at First Norfolk. We want to help you. We want to help ourselves 
to grow to become more like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are supposed to be more like him and progressively become more like him. And just because you have a personality trait that you enjoy expressing and, and you've had it for decades and decades, but it doesn't look anything at all like Jesus, but you just say, well, that's just the way I am. If indeed you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will be convicted today to take off that, art, that, that clothing, those, those characteristics that don't look like Jesus. There's no excuse for a follower of Jesus, no matter how many earthly years you've traveled around the sun. There's, there's no excuse for a follower of Jesus to stop growing in Christ. And there's no excuse for a follower of Jesus, no matter how few times you've traveled around the sun. There's no excuse for you not growing as a follower of Jesus, but rather from the moment of our new birth until the moment of our full new life in the presence of God, we should be growing to be more like Jesus. And our church is committed to help you grow, help me grow. But that means we've got to go through the process of growth. Do you remember growth pains? Obviously, I didn't have too many of them. You remember what it was like? Stretching six inches in a matter of six months. You remember what that was like? I don't. But I've heard that they're painful. You have those growth pains. It's not easy to grow, but it's necessary. We're supposed to grow to become more like Jesus. That means there are prices that we have to pay, things that we need to leave behind, things that we need to take hold of to look more like Jesus. That's what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 4, verse 20. He said, he said, and this is my prayer for you and for me and for our church. My little children, he wrote, my little children for whom... I suffer birth pains again and again until Christ be formed in you. I'm going to struggle and I'm going to strive and I'm going to fight and I'm going to work and I'm going to pray until Christ is formed in me, until I look more like Jesus than I do, Eric Thomas. That's where I need to be. That's where we need to be. That's what a healthy church looks like. Today, my prayer for us is that we would love God supremely more than anything else, more than ourselves, more than anything else, more than what we want or what we like, more than anything else. As I look at this list, and I didn't, obviously didn't read all the items on Edie's love list to me, but there was one glaring omission on her list that I expected to see there, fly fishing. Fly fishing. Well, it's obviously not on her list because she doesn't enjoy fly fishing. And in her graciousness, she paves the way throughout the year to, uh, uh, to, to help me go fly fishing because I love it so much. So often what we do when it comes to loving God is we try to make the list up for him. We want to love God, but we want to love him in our own way. But that's not the love list that he's given us. It's not loving God the way we want. It's the loving God the way he has described it. 
So the question is, how are you loving God? My prayer for us is that we would love him supremely and that we would grow more in loving him today than we did yesterday. Worship weekly, pray daily, give faithfully, live biblically. Oh, friends, let's grow to be more like Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord God in heaven, as we have gathered in your name, and as we've given ourselves to hear from your word, I pray that you would now shape our hearts and our lives to obey your word. The good news is that we can love you because you first loved us and sent your son Jesus to be the payment price for our sin that purchased our forgiveness and new life through his resurrection from the dead so that today we are now part of your family. But God, it's my prayer for us that we wouldn't be merely content with the rescue we've experienced, but now we would give ourselves to be healthy followers of Jesus and a healthy church that follows Jesus. God, help for us to show you our love for you. And if there are things in our heart, in our mind, in our life, in our behavior, in our uh, attitude or actions that's inconsistent with showing our love for you, then I pray that you would help us, by your grace, demolish those things today. And if there are certain uh, convictions and commitments that we need to pick up today, that we need to hold close to our heart, I pray that you give us the grace we need to pick up those things that we must pick up in order to show you that we love you. God, make us healthy today. Now by your Spirit, as we sing praise to you, a song of commitment and covenant, where we say, O Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. May it be more than just words that we sing. May it truly be the conviction of our heart. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.